Thank you, Amanda, and thank you, women, and ministry, and serving here. Uh, we want to be a lighthouse in our community, uh, in our city, and state, and around the nation and the world. And uh, these are some ways that the Lord is opening the doors for us to do it. Our small little church reaching out to help people come to know Christ and to help those, to rescue those that are being abused and uh, as Amanda said, in human trafficking. And we just lift uh, up our ladies to you and pray for them and thank you very much. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, this is the second Sunday in Advent, the first Sunday actually in December. And obviously we're heading towards Christmas. Uh, all different places are decorated. Maybe you've put out your lights already. You might have had them out on Thanksgiving or whenever, but uh, we're starting to look towards that uh, Christmas day when we can celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But before we get there, we need to kind of study, and we're going to be doing a series of sermons getting us to that Christmas day and focusing upon what this season really uh, means and what it's all about so that we can obviously share with others uh, during this time of the year what we're about and the hope that, we, that lies within us in our Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 and then we're going to talk about the heart of Joseph. You follow along as I read Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a, a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what what was spoken by the prophet through uh, spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and this is a quote from Isaiah, chapter seven. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, "God is with us," or literally, "God with us." When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, that is, uh, Mary, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And I wanted you to note here, and he, that is Joseph, named him Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's take a moment to pray uh, before the message. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its challenge to us. We thank you for the call to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, to listen carefully to you, to seek to serve you in our community, and help us, Father, as we learn these things from this scripture and we consider it and ponder it and meditate upon it, 
that we'll be able to share with others what this season is all about, what really happened in the manger, in the, in the cave or the crash or the, the place, the barnyard, wherever it was that when Jesus was, when Mary was given birth to Jesus and Jesus was laid in the manger, that we can explain to people why that came about and for your plan and your purpose. We thank you and pray that you will guide us today in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to tell stories on myself, and I alluded to one story last Sunday about the time when I was able to go for the very first time to Israel to go to an archaeological dig, and my mother implored me to buy for her a manger scene. It had the crash, and it had the baby in the manger, and Jesus, and Mary, and Joseph, and the Magi, and even the... Um, the sheep and, and the oxen and the shepherds. And she wanted me to get her one. It was made out of uh, uh, olive wood. And she had seen a friend of ours that had one and she wanted me to get her one. No cost, you know, she really wanted it to be there so she could put it out on her table during Christmas time. So I did that and I bought a really nice one. It was all made out of... Um, Olive wood, it had a star up on the front of the little hut or crash that they call it. And, and, you know, it wasn't the best carving, but it was a pretty good, pretty good one. And everything was there, a couple of sheep and the shepherds and the magi and Jesus and the manger and Mary and Joseph. And I decided I would pack it in my bags and at home. I was dead tired after the archaeological dig. So I put stuff in different suitcases and we flew to Athens, Greece. In Athens, Greece, I put my suitcase down beside the bus and apparently somebody picked it up and walked away with it. And it had most of the manger scenes. I'd actually bought one for my family as well. It had all of that in there and I lost it and I got home and downtrodden. I had to look at my mother and said, I almost got you a whole manger scene. It turned out that the manger scene that I gave her had everything it had the, uh, sh the sheep and the shepherds and the magi, and it had their Mary, and it had the little manger and the crash and the star and the baby, but it lacked Joseph. There was no Joseph. And my mother, bless her heart, she took that with joy, and every Christmas for about 13 or, or more years, put it out on the table with everything in it, except for Joseph. The funny thing was, it looked kind of like nobody cared that Joseph was missing or paid attention to the fact that Joseph was missing. He seemed to be just one of those supporting characters in the back, and if you broke the head off of one of the shepherds, you know, nobody cared. Joseph wasn't there in that manger scene. Well, I think that's interesting because there's an end to the story, which I'll tell you in a, a little bit later on, but sometimes when we come to Christmas time and we have a nice little scene down here, we focus on the mother and the baby, and not so much on Joseph. And that's okay because at a time of a birth, the focus is on the mother and on the child. And the father's there in the background, but they're not as important as the baby and the mother. And that's the normal thing that we do. But in God's plan, 
God had a purpose, not just for Jesus. He had a purpose for Mary, the mother of Jesus, as we learn from the scriptures and the gospels that tell us about Jesus interacting with his mother through his life. But God also had a plan for Joseph. We don't know really what happened to Joseph. Maybe he dies early. But he was there long enough to do something so that when God's plan of salvation actually hung in the balance, stood at the crossroads, G Joseph was called upon to be obedient, and he listened to God, and he did the right thing. And I like to talk about Joseph and the heart of Joseph. A lot of times I preach this message on Father's Day because it's appropriate there too. But it's also appropriate at Christmas for us to contemplate and understand some of the problems, some of the issues that were raised with the coming of the Christ child. We sometimes just, oh, go through it and there he is, the little baby in the manger. But to get there, there were some issues and there were some problems and God's people responded in the right way. So I want to talk to you this morning about the heart of Joseph and suggest that there's a model that all of us can follow in the things that Joseph did in his response to the problems because I don't guess that there's anyone here who doesn't have a problem with life. You don't have a problem with life? Gee, I'd like to meet you. I have problems all the time, one thing after another. So I go out and I buy a tractor implement and figure out that I made a mistake and got it for the wrong loader attachment. Now I got a 300 pound attachment I have to ship back or do something with. Maybe I'll make a planner out of it. That'll be the most expensive planner I have. But the point is we have problems. So what do we do? Well, here is an important problem. And there's a model that we can follow. Number one, we're going to look at Joseph's problem. This was a serious problem for Joseph. In verse 18, we learn that the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. In other words, Matthew is telling us that there was an issue here that could not be ignored, that something was afoot that was going to be a problem. And he tells us that this was the problem in verse 18. After his mother Mary, Jesus' mother Mary, obviously, had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together, and you know what that means. I hope I don't have to paint that picture. Before they got finally consummated the marriage, Mary was pregnant. Now, Matthew tells us clearly right away it's from the Holy Spirit. We're reading this after the fact. But at that time, it might not have been so clear that it was from the Holy Spirit, but it would become very clear that Mary was pregnant. So we learn all of a sudden that there is a problem. It was discovered they, before they came together. It's important to realize that they were betrothed. Now in the Jewish faith and the Jewish life and culture, you got betrothed or engaged and you spent 10 months before you did the final ceremony and you got married. So within this 10 months, you were at, it was kind of like you were married, but you weren't supposed to act like you're married. But you're married, and to find out that your betrothed is now pregnant was a very serious, serious thing. It was akin to adultery. 
And adultery was punishable by death. You could strangle them or behead them or most often stone them. And if they found out that Mary was expecting a child, and they would, trust me, it would be known, then what the culture could do, the community could do, was to stone her and kill her because she had committed a grievous sin in God's eyes and in the eyes of her family and the one to whom she was betrothed. So this was a serious thing. Um, the, the rabbis, early rabbis said that Mary actually uh, had a relationship with a Roman soldier. That's how they talked about the, uh, the, uh, the problem. But it was Joseph's responsibility to make a decision. What would he do? This is a real problem. Was Mary wrong? We're told immediately it's by the Holy Spirit. But it created a problem because not everybody would immediately know it was from the Holy Spirit. So here's where number two, Joseph's character, comes into play. And this is where we present, or we're presented with a model of behavior that we can take and make our own and see how Joseph reacted to this very serious problem. Because Joseph being a just man, had every right to do what the scriptures indicated earlier with this problem of adultery. So we find out that there are three things that Joseph does that become pretty good models for us. Number one, um, we're going to look here in verse 19, uh, we find out that he was a just and righteous man. Verse 19 says, so her husband... Joseph being a righteous man. This means the word just. This means he was merciful and kind. He, he wanted to do the right thing. He held it in his character to try and find out how, as a believer and a follower of God, he could do what God would want, her, want him to do. Uh, he was merciful. He didn't want to do things that would harm anybody else. So we learn that he was... A righteous man and that's one of the patterns that we see that uh, Joseph does and that we probably should do ourselves be righteous that doesn't mean that we're super spiritual we walk around with a halo on our head and we say look at me how smart spiritual I am it means that we have a right relationship with God that we're talking to God we're listening to God we're trying to serve God we're trying to make our life as a believer be a witness and a testimony to our faith in Christ if we're righteous, it means we're striving to have that right relationship with God that results in a just and merciful and kind relationship with other people. I've often noted that in my own life, when I get discombobulated, you know that's a word, discombobulated in my relationship with God, the relationship I have with others suffers. Because I seem to take it out on them. When I start looking at myself and my own problems and the own things that we have, and I don't look to Jesus, then I start taking things out on others. That's when I kick the cat. We don't have a cat. But I would kick it anyway if we had one. But that's another story. I don't want to get cat lovers upset with me. But Or the dog. God forbid 
your children and your wife. But that's what happens when we take our eyes off of Christ and off of the Lord. And what he would have us to do, we often make mistakes in the way we relate to other people. And that's really, I think, the origin of what begins to mess things up when we let our temper and our emotions and all the other things be handled in a wrong way. Not in the way that honors God, but in a way that dishonors him because we take it out on others. If we have a just relationship with the Lord, we have a righteous relationship. By that I mean we're yielded to him, we're seeking him, we're trying to learn from him. Then he's going to tell us how to respond. And in that way we can be merciful and kind to others. Because through the whole the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us the strength to do that. That's where you stop and say, now I'm not going to strategize this or come up with my own way of doing things, Lord. I want you to teach me what to do. So that's exactly what Joseph did. So we learned that he was a just man, number one. Number two in this, we learned that he um, wanted to do things privately on her behalf or for her because he didn't want to publicly shame her. We're told that when, when uh, being a, a just man, um, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. And so he decided to do this secretly. What he needed to do secretly or uh, privately was to break the bonds of the betrothal. Because, see, they came together. We used to call them the bands. I don't know if you think about medieval England. They would say reading the bands. The bands are the, the list of who's getting married and the responsibilities. It's kind of like a prenuptial agreement. They write this this statement up that says, I'm going to be this, this, and this. And it's a legal document. It's a religious document. It's a document that connects the two together. Today, we kind of talk about it when you propose and you put that engagement ring on. It, it sort of doesn't mean so much anymore. But then it was a serious act of being committed to the marriage coming up and the relationship in the light of uh, God's grace and mercy to become two together in God's eyes. He was going to break that, but instead of publicly and parading Mary around as a terrible sinner, he was going to do it privately, and he was going to literally divorce her. He was going to divorce her because they were actually considered to be married already, and he was going to divorce her and put her aside privately. Because after all, she had broken the rule as far as he knew, uh, at this point, Joseph doesn't know, but she's pregnant. He finds out, and he doesn't know what to do. But being a just man, he's going to show mercy to her by putting her away privately and by not making a big spectacle out of it. You know, don't air, don't airing his dirty linen out in public. He's going to try and work together with her to do that. The third thing we find that's very important that Joseph's character, not only was he wanting to get it right himself right with God and do what God wanted. Not only did he care about uh, Mary to do something merciful with him, he also wanted to do something else, and that was he considered these things, or he thought about these things. In verse 20, at the very beginning of verse 20, he said, but after he considered these things. I'd like us to think about that, because that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Before we act, we should think. A lot of us get our feet in gear to kick rather than our mind to stop and talk about what it is that's happening here. And the one thing about Joseph's character was that he was willing to pray, I think, and think about these things. 
And so he was considering all these things in his mind about what to do and how to please God and how to serve him. And then God helped him by providing for him um, the ability to have an answer. So the next thing we look at is that God answered him in verses 20b through 23. God's answer was there to tie all this up to make it possible for him that is Joseph, to do what God wanted him to do. And obviously, Joseph was waiting for this answer. And that's a good thing to do for us, too, when we have issues and problems and we need to find out what God would want us to do. Maybe sometimes it's better to wait for his answer. There are some times when we say that's above our pay grade, but then we go and try and do it anyway, as opposed to say, I'm going to wait. Maybe, maybe the Lord will show me. The Lord will. I trust that he will, and he will. And sometimes his answer is a whole lot better than ours would have been. Most of the time, at least for my case, it's better than what I would have come up with. So here's what happens in verse 20. But after he had considered these things, he was thinking on these things, an angel of the Lord, a messenger of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream. And this is what he told him. He said, Joseph, son of David. Now this is important for us to know that Joseph is the son of David. You have to understand that Matthew doesn't put words in here that are superfluous or um, useless or any, anything that's just unnecessary. He tells us that Joseph is of the tribe of David, of the tribe of Judah, descendant in the lineage of David. And that's what Jesus was going to be in the lineage of David. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But he says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, there are four things that we need to know this. First of all, one, one is that uh, Joseph was not to be disafraid, because what had been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, right? And... You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And there he quotes Isaiah 7, um, uh, Isaiah 7, 14. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means literally God with us or God is with us. Now, there's four things in all of this in these verses that that we're, we can take as a pattern. First of all, the angel comes and says, don't be afraid. So when we face problems and we face trials, they could be little ones and they could be really big ones. Actually, this is a pretty really big one for Mary to be pregnant while they're betrothed because that's a serious break of culture and break of the, the mores and values and standards of the family. But we could have a little, a little problem, we could have a big problem, but in a big problem, we get afraid. We don't know what to do, and God is telling Joseph, don't be afraid. For, see, for a believer, you need to know that God knows what's happening in your life. And when things happen in your life, it isn't that God is necessarily punishing you. Maybe he's trying to get your attention. But God is just trying to get us to think, and he wants us to trust in him, because with him... We can go through anything. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. He became the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead, 
We have that promise. If we lay down our own lives, he's going to raise us again. If God tarries in sending the son, if we even go to the grave, we're going to be raised again. So what problem is there? God's going to take care of us. If Jesus comes back while we're alive, we go meet him in the air. So what's the problem? There's no problem. We can trust God completely, explicitly, because he will not do anything that will fickly, nastily, uncaringly harm us. Now, he may discipline us. He may want to teach us. And sometimes this old noggin up here is like, it's hard to get things through. So God has to say, well, if, if you're stubborn, I'm going to give it to you. So you'll have to learn it eventually. I have a good friend who prayed that God would give him patience. He didn't know what he was praying. You got to watch what you pray for because God put things in his life one after the other that taught him patience. So the first thing God says to Joseph, hey, this is not the end of the world. It's not a huge problem. You know, just don't be afraid. Secondly, the angel is basically implying that you should trust God. Why should he trust God? Well, because this is done because God is doing it. He said here, because don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Listen, Mary wasn't out there doing hanky-panky with some Roman soldier. Mary was just being Mary, and God chose her, and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is okay. You have to trust me. It sounds weird. It sounds terrible. Why me? Why should this even happen? But God has a purpose. He has a wonderful plan for our lives. It doesn't matter what it might be. But God says, trust me, because it could be something that's so terrible or something that's so minor, but he still wants us to trust him throughout it completely. But Lord, it's going to hurt me. Lord, I'm going to grieve. Lord, I'm going to be sad. Lord, it's going to be a problem. But God still says, this is okay. Trust me. We serve a God who cares about us so completely that he will not harm us or hurt us. He will give us the stuff to go through in his divine plan that teaches us how to trust him and hold on to him. But he's not a mad God. He's not a terrible God. He doesn't zap us for no reason. He wants to discipline us and care for us. And Joseph has to realize that this problem of Mary being pregnant isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing because God has a divine plan. You see, God's plan is that she will give birth, verse 21, to a son. And by the way, you're supposed to name him, which we'll talk about in just a minute, because he will save his people from their sins. You see, the purpose was that Jesus was the, going to be the one who died on the cross for our sins. In fact, his name, Jesus, means salvation, and he would be Emmanuel. Now, this means in the fourth point, little subpoint here, that God had this plan from the beginning. And he quotes from Isaiah the prophet to say that this seven chapter, Isaiah 7:14, is a prophecy of the Messiah. Ultimately, what God is saying to Joseph is, your kid is going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the one who brings salvation to Israel. He is the one that everybody's waiting for, everybody's longing for, everybody's looking for. And he's going to do a miraculous and marvelous thing. So don't be afraid. Trust me. I got this, God is saying. 
and you don't have to worry about this. You can trust me that I'm going to accomplish this. This is bigger than you, Joseph. It's bigger than Mary. It's, it's all for Israel. In fact, this son is for the world because he's going to die on the cross for the sins of the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you can imagine that answer. Maybe Joseph didn't understand its implication or the depth of it, but it was an amazing answer. And God is saying, I got it, Joseph. It's okay. Trust me and you'll be all right. Now, the next thing is that Joseph responds. So here's the problem Joseph has. His wife-to-be seems to be pregnant, and he's not the cause of it. Secondly, his character is to be just and to try and find out what God wants to do and to think on these things. God answers him and says, hey, I got this. Whether you believe it or not, or you can conceive of it or not, because I think God who can create the heavens and the earth out of nothing can make this pregnancy happen as a miraculous event. But whether you believe it or not, I got it, and I want you to trust me. So what is Joseph going to do? Now, at this point, we might say, no, I want to believe Oprah or Dr. Phil, and I'm going to go do what the world says would be right. Let's, let's throw the doors open and say, Mary did a no-no, and we're going to stone her. Or he's going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take it one step at a time. What do you want me to do? I can't handle the whole big picture, maybe. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you. And man, this stuff you're talking about, Jesus being the savior of the world, I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm going to respond in honoring you. And that's exactly what Joseph did in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married Mary, right? And he didn't have any relationships with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Now this naming him Jesus is important because Joseph is saying in his own culture and in his own faith that Jesus is his son. And nobody can dispute that. The rabbis said this. It's, it's written in a book called the Mishnah that if a man says he is my son, he is to be believed. And if a man names the child, that's his right, he is to be believed. And he didn't call him Ralph or Ernest or Henry or Stephen or anything else. He called him Jesus, which the angel told him was to be his name. And his name is reflective of the fact that God's plan and God's purpose would be that he would save us from our sins. But Joseph was willing to follow the Lord, and he responded in obedience. That's what really happened here. He responded in obedience, and he called his name Jesus. And that was so important to fulfill the prophecy that God had given to Isaiah and the other prophets that the Messiah would come, but the Messiah would die on the cross and God would raise him again on the third day. So we celebrate Christmas and we look at the manger scene and we realize that Mary had Jesus and Mary was conceived of the Holy Spirit and it was a miraculous thing. 
But at one point, one significant point, Joseph made the decision that made them a family, that called the name of Jesus and called the boy his son. See, Jesus became Jewish. A lot of people are surprised that Jesus was Jewish. Jesus became Jewish through his mother, Mary. But he became the descendant of David through Joseph. So his right to be Jewish was from Mary, but his right to sit on the throne of Israel, to sit on the throne of God's kingdom, came because Joseph was obedient and named him Jesus. That's my son. And he's Jesus. See, we don't always know the implications of the problems, be them small or great, that, that God is, that we face. But God has it all in his divine plan. He has a wonderful plan for our lives. And he wants us to follow, I think, sometimes this same type of pattern. Get the right character. Get the right answer from God. The character that you need is the character that looks to God to solve things, to find out things, to explain things, and get the right answer from God by waiting on God, thinking about these things, taking time to pray, learning patience, and don't just do our strategy, but wait for God's strategy of how to deal with it. And then we get the right response. We stand as Christian believers Joseph stood as a Christian man, husband and father, and he sought God's approval and he did what God said. And because he did what God said, we have the Messiah. The Messiah. So about 13 years later, after I lost the Joseph for my mother's manger scene, I happened to get back to Israel. And I mentioned earlier, it's so hard just to be able to find a Joseph by itself. Nobody wants to sell just the one figure. But I got a friend, and he was in um, kind of in North Jerusalem, East North, Northeast Jerusalem, and he did. He had a store. And uh, because I promised to buy a lot of other things, I got the little, the Joseph figure, and I took it home triumphantly and gave it to my mother. I mentioned this last Sunday, but there was one problem. <laughs> the Joseph figure was bigger than all the rest of them. I mean, it was bigger. This is a pretty big Joseph, but he's in the right um, uh, what did they call it? The right matrix or right size for all the other figures. Well, this was a little manger scene. There was a big Joseph standing there. And my mother, bless her heart, gladly accepted it, put it out there with the manger scene that Christmas and ever since then. I don't know if she does it anymore, but I gave her the Joseph. So I thought after a while, well, maybe, maybe that's not such a bad thing to have an oversized Joseph in the manger scene because maybe then it would draw some attention to that point in time when Joseph made the right decision. You and I will have decisions to make. How are we going to make them? I pray that we will make them letting people know that Christ Jesus is our Savior. We trust him. We are in God's plan because he wants to use us to be his servants. And we need to be able to tell the world that Jesus wasn't just a little babe, some little magical child that's maybe spewed out some kind of fairy dust saying peace and goodwill on earth. But he really was a savior who died on the cross, who requires an answer of us. Will we receive him as our Lord and Savior?
to forgive us of our sins? Or will we just categorize him and put him over to the side and say, oh, he's just the little babe that we talk about. Joseph made the decision to take Mary and to name the boy Jesus. What will your decision be? We're going to have the musicians come at this time and get prepared to sing for us and lead us in the song. We have a hymn of invitation. And that invitation, we're going to sing, All I Have is Christ. And in a few minutes, we'll stand and we'll make that invitation and give you a chance to do exactly what Joseph got to do, respond. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you serve him and get the right character and wait for God's answer and then be obedient to him? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can we share with you what it means to know him from the scripture and offer you that opportunity to make the decision, to make him your Lord, to take him as your Savior, to take him into your life. If you are looking for a home church and you want to join a church prayerfully, we, if the Lord is leading you here to be part of our church together, or to call in some kind of Christian ministry or service, whatever it may be, the invitation is for you to come and respond. So as we stand and sing this song, Think about it and respond as you feel God is leading you. Let's stand and sing our invitation. <laughs>